But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. Mark 8, 33. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to the Legion of Michael. we got a brand new one for you. Now, we took a little bit of time off for the holiday last week. Of course, if you're listening to this far into the future, you say, what holiday? What is he talking about? Don't worry about it. It's a podcast. It's available 24-7, 365, and it's here for you. You can binge just like your favorite Hulu or Netflix show. You can just listen to one after the other after the other if you want. So thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, I have a favor to ask of you, if you would please, if you're listening to the show and enjoying it, if you've appreciated it, please go to your favorite podcast application, whatever it is that you listen to this on. Could be iTunes, could be, well, Stitcher, anything. We're worldwide. Leave a review. Give us a thumb or a star or a heart or something. Uh, In some way, this doesn't cost you anything doesn't cost you a penny so your way of paying me back or giving me a tip or whatever is to give me a review and to share share this with other people all right you read the title already malum in say versus malum prohibitum and for those of you that are unfamiliar might be thinking what is this dude hitting me with what language is that even that's latin kids I know they don't teach Latin in high school anymore like they used to, and maybe they still teach it in college if you're lucky and go to a good college. But malum inse has to do, or malum inse and malum prohibitum are in relation to the law, relation to laws. We live in a world of laws, right? You didn't... You don't want to live in a world that doesn't have laws. You don't want to live in complete anarchy. You don't want to live in a nonstop purge uh, world, do you? No, of course you don't. So laws are instituted amongst men because of what? Because men are perfect? No, actually, we have to have laws because of the failings of man. Now, there are two basic types of laws, and... uh, If you know anything about legal precedent or the history of law and the reason they use Latin, because they go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back in history, malum in se essentially means a moral wrong, right? A moral wrong. A moral wrong doesn't need to be explained, generally. I mean, unless you're a barbarian or a savage or a lunatic, 
you don't need to sit down and explain to people that murder is wrong. Or you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to sit down and explain to people. You're like, hey, uh, murder's wrong. Uh, stealing, taking your neighbor's property, that's wrong. Rape is wrong, okay? Lying about people in order to get them into trouble is wrong. Those are moral wrongs. You shouldn't have to explain those to people on the face of it. It is wrong on the face of it. Something that you don't have to explain. And you say, well, where does Malum Inse originate? Where did it originate? Well, if you look back a ways, you'll find that uh, it originates from the original Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor, thou shalt not commit adultery, etc., etc. Covetousness, thou shalt not covet. Moral wrongs. Now, as men, what we've done is we've taken the Ten Commandments and we've made them, uh, well, we've formed them into our own state laws. Like wherever, wherever you happen to live, whether you live in Ohio or Massachusetts or Texas or Maine or Alaska or whatever, you have a revised code, the Wyoming revised code, the Ohio revised code, the revised code of New York or whatever. And in there, it is officially illegal and unlawful to commit murder, to commit assault, to commit theft, fraud, extortion, bribery, rape, uh, whatever. It's, it's written into the law, and they give it their own number, and they assign their own penalties to it. But Malum Inse is based upon moral wrong, which is God's wrong, right? Now, the others are Malum Prohibitum. Now, what is Malum Prohibitum? Prohibit, or not to be allowed, Malum prohibitum are the laws of man. That is, it's not obvious. You know, things like, you can't murder people. Well, that's pretty obvious, right? You're not allowed in our society to steal from people. Pretty obvious, right? But what about malum prohibitum? Malum prohibitum means, essentially, that a bunch of men went into a room, or men and women now, um, and they sat down and they said, you know what? We think it should be a law that people aren't allowed to fill in, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. Uh, a great example are speed limits. Speed limits are not a moral wrong. <laughs> if it says 55 and you go 59 or 62, you're, you're not committing a sin against God. <laughs> that is not a moral wrong. It's only wrong because someone, because men got together in a room, and they said that it's wrong, right? Now, if you look at your revised code, if you look at your, whether it's Ohio or, or Wyoming or Maine or California or Texas or Florida, whatever, you look at the revised code, you'll see uh, that they're pretty thick books. If you can actually find a printed book, now they're available, they're out there. You're like, man, that's, that's really, really thick. Yeah. Now, if you were to take the malum inse infractions and compare those to the malum prohibitum infractions, you would find that there's way, the book is way thicker when it comes to malum prohibitum 
There's way more pages dealing with that than there are with Malamense. And you might say to yourself, wonder, why is that? Why is that? Let's, take a, let's consider God's law versus man's law. Now, if you guys recently listened to the sermon on war, uh, the pastor who delivered that sermon, and we played that on Student of the Gun Radio, if you haven't listened to it, you should, uh, he brings up biblical references to the laws of man. Now, people will tell you, they will say, hey, governments are, inst- even some of the disciples, Paul and Peter, you know, that governments are instituted by God. God, inst- you know, he put the king in charge. Now, if you remember our previous discussion about kings and worshiping kings, back in the beginning, God did not give Israel or his people a king. We talked about this, and why was that? And he warned them when they went to Samuel and they said, we want a king. He's like, well, I'll go talk to God for you guys, but you know, I know his initial response is no. And they're like, no, no, we want to be like everyone else. We want to be like all the other people around us, all the other peoples. And we want to have, they have kings, we want to have a king. We're not cool because we don't have a king. Why did God not want to appoint a king over them? Well, because he knew, because being smarter than us and knowing us better than we know ourselves, our God knew that the moment that he instituted a king, that he put a king over us, over Israel, that they would start looking to him to solve their problems. They would go first to him, not to him being the king, not to God their father. They wouldn't first go to their heavenly father. They would look to the king and they're like, hey man, what should we do? And he's like, and then from that moment forward, pretty much was downhill from there. Let's let's go back to the book of Exodus. And uh, so man's law. A lot of people would tell you, uh, they would say, hey, you know, God instituted government among men. Therefore, what the government says, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to obey the government. Whatever the government decides the law is, you have to obey it because God instituted governments among men. That's what these people would tell you. Okay, cool. So in Exodus uh, chapter 1, verse 15 and 17, I'm not going to read them verbatim to you, but essentially Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Joseph had died. And the new Pharaoh did not know Joseph or his people. Well, he knew who they were, but he wasn't beholden to them. When Joseph died and the new Pharaoh came into power, he didn't care about Joseph and he didn't care about Joseph's people. He just saw them as a threat. And so what the new Pharaoh did was he issued orders to the midwives to murder newborn Hebrew babies, but only the males. So he said to the midwives, if a you're you're delivering the baby and it's a boy and, and it's a Hebrew mother, you are to kill it. But if it's female, go ahead and let it live. Now the the Pharaoh, he was the king. He was in charge, right? He was large and in charge. And he was the guy. And for those of you who say, well, you know, God instituted governments among men, so the government is the ultimate authority, and if they say do it, we have to do it. Just blindly put your head down and do what the government says. Huh. Uh, no, 
Pharaoh ordered the midwives to murder the newborn male babies of the Hebrews, but they didn't do it. They refused to do it. And because they refused to do it and they obeyed God's law, not the laws of man, God rewarded them. Yeah, you say, well, that's one example. That's not that big of a deal. Okay, fine, we'll move on. But that's just, just one thing. It's only one thing. There's been a lot, but okay. Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar, he was, uh, he was down with, uh, with uh, Daniel and, and his people, um, and he was pretty much down with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. However, he got so full of himself that he created, he allowed people around him to talk him into creating a golden statue, a giant golden statue, and all men must bow down and worship that statue. Right? Well, being faithful children of God, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. They refused to worship a golden idol. They refused the word of the king. They're like, hang on a second. That's malum prohibitum, man. That's malum prohibitum right there. They said, the king said, do it. Worship me. Worship my golden image. That's malum prohibitum. And they said, no, we shall worship one God and one God only. That is the God Yahweh, our father. And he said, all right, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. I'm going to stoke that sucker up. He ordered it to be stoked up seven times hotter than normal. And he ordered his mighty men to bind them and to cast them into the furnace. And the furnace was so freaking hot that the guys who actually cast them in were killed and consumed by the fire. Now, unless you never went to Sunday school and you're a brand new Christian and you, you never listened to the stories of the Old Testament, you know what happened. Now, what's interesting to me, and I'm going to go ahead and read this verbatim, there's a little bit of debate uh, amongst Christians as to who it was that arrived in the uh, furnace. They weren't alone because Nebuchadnezzar, he looked into the furnace and he saw, he said to his, his uh, counselors and his, and his men, he's like, hey, I thought we threw three guys into the furnace. And they're like, yeah, we did. Why? So, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. And he says, well, I'm looking in there and I see four. How are there four people in the furnace when I told you to throw three in there and that's what we did? Uh... And in verse 25, chapter 3, verse 25 of Daniel, uh, he answered and said, this is Nebuchadnezzar, he said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Now, many people will say that was the first appearance of Christ Jesus on earth. Uh, that he actually appeared to the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the fiery furnace. Now, further on in there, it says, he hath sent his angel to deliver his servants that trusted him. So he, in chapter 25, obviously Nebuchadnezzar would not have known or recognized the, the embodiment of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But he says that he looked 
And he appears to be the form of the Son of God. And then in 27, he said, he hath sent his, or in 28, he said, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants. Now, when it comes down to it, does it, it, does it change the story? No, it doesn't change the story. Uh, and some of us say, wow, that would be, that would be wild if, but of course, Christ had not been born to the Virgin Mary and taken the form of man yet, so his image would not have been in the book of Daniel, in the time of Nebuchadnezzar, the the actual physical image of Christ Jesus probably would not have been the one that we like to see in paintings. You know, the guy sitting on the rock with the kids all around him, he's got the beard and the robe and stuff, we're like, yeah, that's Jesus. Uh, But he had not been born in the time of Nebuchadnezzar to a woman and taken the form of man. And some people say that this was the first appearance or one of the appearances by the archangel Michael, and an angel would have looked to Nebuchadnezzar as a son of God. But let's go on to chapter 6. So what happened? Well, obviously, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were unharmed, completely unharmed, and he called to them, Nebuchadnezzar did, and they walked out, and he was in awe of that and amazed by it and he swore that if anyone spoke ill of the god of those men that he would cut them into pieces and turn their homes into dung heaps yeah that's what he said that's pretty powerful he said no god could possibly as be as powerful as the god of these men and from that moment forward they were given great honors and power God saved them because they refused to obey the law of men, but first to obey the law of God. Okay? And well, what, what law is that? How about number one? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. A lot of Christians in the world today seem to forget the first commandment. Uh, but I, I digress. Chapter 6, Daniel chapter 6, Darius, new guy. New guy on the scene, new king on the scene. And he's got all these dudes whispering in his ear. Now, Daniel had a lot of power, and he was one of, according to the King James Version, one of the presidents of the kingdom of Darius. But the others were jealous of him, and they knew that Daniel liked to pray and worship his God. So they convinced Darius. They went and they sucked up to Darius, and they're like, hey, man, you are the greatest, the coolest, the best Man, everyone should love you. And if they don't, they're wrong. And they got Darius. They convinced him to sign a decree that said no one for 30 days could worship or seek out authority. Uh, what is it? Seek authority or from anyone but Darius, right? Because they knew. They're like, yeah, this Daniel guy, he's going to worship his God. And so what happened? Well, what happened is what they knew. So Darius signed. He's like, okay, well, you know, yeah, I agree with you guys. I'm a cool dude, whatever. All right. So he signs a decree which, according to Persian law, could not be rescinded. And, uh, well, so soon thereafter, they caught him. They caught Daniel kneeling down and worshiping God, his father, Yahweh, the one God. And they ran to Darius, and they're like, oh, 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 oh. We caught him. You signed the thing, said no one is allowed to worship anyone but you. 
They have to come to you first. And and we caught Daniel. And, of course, they're like, is this true? And he said, yep. I worship my God and my God only. I shall not worship a statue or a false god or a king or anyone else. God comes first. And so begrudgingly, Darius, he didn't want to have to do it, but he, he was bound by his word. So what did he do? He threw Daniel into the den of lions. And again, if you went to Sunday school, uh, you know that God sent in the in the uh, book is in chapter six. It said that God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths. And this is when we can say to ourselves, ooh, 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 Mr. Cotter, who, which angel does God send when he needs strongman work done, right? Gabriel's the messenger, right? Who's the fighter? Our boy Michael. Now, it doesn't say Michael and Daniel, but we might infer that the archangel Michael was there. Now, does it change the story? No, it doesn't. And of course, uh, after a while, they're like, well, I guess this is kind of boring. These lions aren't going to eat Daniel. He's just going to hang out with them. So we better pull him out of there. So they pull him out of there, and Darius is like, he says, man, I I did what I said I was going to do. I threw you in the pit with the lions, and they didn't eat you. And he realized that he had been tricked. He realized that, that his advisors had deceived him. And so what did Darius do? He snatched all those suckers up and he threw them in the lion's den. And this time, Michael wasn't there to shut their mouths. The archangel Michael was not there to shut the mouths of the lions. You say, okay, that's all Old Testament stuff. And we've talked about previously about God, God's law versus man's law. And what did, what was Christ saying to Peter in Mark? And this, this, this actual story is, is told in, in the, multiple times in the Gospels. But in Mark 8, 33, you see Christ sat down with his disciples and he told them what was going to happen. He said that the, the Son of Man, God's Son, was going to be rejected by the chief priests and Pharisees and he was going to be put to death and that three days later he would rise from the, the grave and Peter was kind of like, whoa, don't talk like that, man. Hey, don't, don't talk like that. It said Peter pulled Jesus aside and rebuked him. Because in Peter's mind, he's like, no, you shouldn't talk like that. I, we, we can't handle that. That's not what we want to happen. And what did Jesus say? It's pretty strong. And you think Peter probably got kind of the smack down there. But, of course, Peter was also the rock upon which Christ built his church. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but upon man's. It kind of sounds to me, just reading this, that Christ was advising his disciples to first put forward the interest of their father, God, their father, their creator, their maker, first before that of man. You say, this is all great, Paul. What in the world does this have to do with malum in se versus malum prohibitum? Ladies and gentlemen, Satan is the great deceiver. Satan is the great liar. Never, ever forget that. 
every single day, every moment that you are awake, when you are walking around, living in this world, Satan is attempting to deceive you, to lie to you. And the minions of Satan are everywhere. And right now, I am sad to inform you, in case you didn't know, the minions of Satan and his workers are in our government. And every day, Satan, through his minions, is trying to convince you that the laws of man carry the same weight as the laws of God, that they are on an equal footing. They are not. But yet every day we hear people say, hey, that's the law. Is that, is that God's law? Is that Malamense? Is that a moral wrong? Or did a bunch of minions of Satan get together in a room and come out and decide, hey, you know how we're going to control the people today? We're going to come up with another law. Look at all the laws that have been created by men. Now, look at Malamense. In the last 2,000 years, how many new Malum Inse laws have there been? This is when you scratch your head and you're like, moral wrong? A wrong that is wrong on the face of it? You don't have to explain it. Everybody should know that's wrong. Yeah, how many new ones of those? Uh, None? One? None? Yeah, None. Because we don't need new ones. Because we've already been given 10 rules to order our lives. And if we follow those rules, things will be well with us. But you see, man is in constant struggle because man often defaults to, you can only serve one. You can serve God or you can serve mammon. We talked about that. Remember that? Malum inse versus malum prohibitum. There is a difference. But those who would rule over you, the men who would rule over you, and when I say men, I mean humans. There are as many evil women in government as there are evil men. The minions of Satan would try to convince you that the laws of man, those that a bunch of, of men, selfish, greedy, fallible men, went into a room and they said, and they came out and they're like, you know what? We decided you're not allowed to do this anymore. You're not allowed to do that. And that is the same weight. That's now the law. Now, our law in New York State says that killing babies is cool. In New York State, the laws of man say killing babies is cool, man. If that baby's going to be inconvenient to you, just kill it. Throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Think back to the the Hebrew midwives and their choice to obey God, not man. You see, the king, the governor, the pharaoh, the pharaoh Kumo said, hey, kill kill the babies, man. Just kill them. Ladies and gentlemen, every single day, every single day, the minions of Satan, Satan the great deceiver, the great liar, They're trying to deceive you. And they're trying to convince you that the laws of man have the same weight as the laws of God. And that if they come, well, I'll give you a great example. So the Pharaoh of California 
says, I am the law, and you Christians are not allowed to go into your churches and worship your God. That is the law, and you must obey me. What would Daniel say? What would Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? What would Christ say if he was standing right there next to you? Would Christ say, yep, the the Pharaoh of California says you're not allowed, so you can just take God your father's law and, and park it, and you put the Pharaoh of California's law first. Is that how Christians are commanded to behave? Ladies and gentlemen, don't buy it. Do not believe the law, the lies of Satan and his minions. They are everywhere, and every single day they attempt to deceive you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for joining me for this Legion of Michael podcast. You can go to legionofmichael.com, sign up for the training. Uh, There's lots of other material that's available to you. There are books Uh, The the Legion of Michael book is available right now. You can purchase it as a Kindle or a paperback, uh, or you can just listen and tell other people about the show, whatever it is you want to do. We're going to go ahead and close this as we always do with the warrior's prayer. Lord, I come before you seeking the strength and the skill to overcome my enemies. Grant me, I pray, the wisdom to recognize evil the courage to confront it, and the strength to destroy it. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.